The polyvagal theory is not easy. It is dense, it's highly academic, and it's really kind of like its own language. Luckily for us, Deb Dana was the first therapist, at least the first one I know about, that took this language and translated it for everybody else, for therapists and non-therapists alike. Deb Dana works closely with Dr. Stephen Porges. He's the creator of the polyvagal theory, and she's one of the co-founders of the Polyvagal Institute, where I actually humbly serve on the editorial board. In this episode, I'll identify and explain some of the major contributions to the polyvagal theory from Deb Dana. This is going to help you deepen your knowledge of polyvagal theory and will also give us a chance to uh, give some love to Deb. My name is Justin Sinceri. I am a therapist, a coach, and the creator of the Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken, where I teach you how to live with more calm, confidence, and connection without psychobabble or woo-woo. The first major contribution and possibly the one that I go to or use the most is the polyvagal ladder metaphor. Although in her book, The Polyvagal Theory in Therapy, she calls it the autonomic ladder, but I call it polyvagal ladder. It's a metaphor. There's no actual ladder within us. It is a metaphor for how our autonomic states are or how they evolve within us and how they are hardwired in our bodies. At the top of the ladder is our safe and social state that exists uh, from the brainstem, connects to our face, our neck, and our heart. In the middle of the autonomic ladder is the sympathetic flight fight system that, ex- that lives in our uh, spinal cord. And at the bottom of the polyvagal ladder is the uh, shutdown state, and that lives in our gut. So the ladder shows how they're stacked within our bodies, quite literally, but it also is a great metaphor for how we sequentially move through these states. So if you're at the top of your autonomic ladder in your safe and social state, maybe you're engaging with someone and in chit chat, you're making eye contact, you're smiling, you're reminiscing on old times, who knows? So you're at the top of your polyvagal ladder, you're in your safety state enough, but maybe there's some sort of noise from outside that alerts you. And in that moment, you may drop from your safety state at the top of the ladder, you may drop down to your flight fight state, but more flight. And even though you're not literally in danger and maybe not literally running away, you drop down your autonomic ladder and some flight activation kicks in. So you don't choose that and it's not random. Something cues it and you drop down the ladder sequentially from safety down to flight fight. If it's something that you can't run away from and you can't fight off, then you shift further down all the way to the bottom of the ladder into the shutdown state or or maybe a freeze, which is a combination of uh, flight fight and shutdown. So that's the way it works, though, is you shift down sequentially. You don't choose and it's not random. Likewise, or conversely, maybe when you're at the bottom of the ladder in your shutdown state, you don't just jump around randomly and you can't really choose what state you're going to be in either. But you can emerge from shutdown and go up the ladder into flight fight and then go up further into safety eventually. But same thing, it's sequential down and then back up in this in one order and then the reverse order. So I think this is a fantastic metaphor, especially when we're discussing how we shift states uh, sequentially. There's another metaphor which is really popular and actually was used in our polyvagal world, which is Dr. Porges' newest book as of this recording. He wrote it along with uh, his son, Seth, or Seth wrote it along with him, I can't tell. They use the traffic light metaphor, which I like less but it's really good for illustrating how these states can 
be turned off and on just to speak very generally. And I like how it really is a good metaphor for how there's like circuitry that is involved in these things. But you kind of lose the sequential nature of, of things when it when you use the traffic light metaphor. The next addition to the polyvagal theory from Deb Dana that I want to cover is triggers or are triggers and glimmers. I'm going to quote from her book, The Polyvagal Theory in Therapy, about triggers and also about glimmers. Triggers occur when the vagal break is not able to relax, re-engage, and maintain ventral vagal regulation. Triggers are a result of a neural challenge that is too big for the flexibility of the system. They bring a neuroception of danger or life threat, and the autonomic nervous system activates a survival response. These cues of danger prompt either a sympathetic mobilization or a dorsal vagal shutdown. So basically, triggers are things that activate your defensive states. They'll activate the sympathetic flight-fight state, or they'll activate the dorsal vagal shutdown immobilization state. These states are kind of active all the time. Like right now, I'm talking into a camera and recording a podcast episode, but I have some level of movement. I'm also immobile, but I'm also safe and social enough to think critically for the most part and to teach. So I have all my states active, but my defensive states aren't so dominant that I can't do this effectively. I mean, teach and and think critically and, and hopefully make sense. But the way that Deb Dana discusses triggers is that it activates our defensive states so much that the vagal break can't handle it. The vagal break is another polyvagal concept from Dr. Porges. Basically, the safety state can't contain the defensive activation. So the safety state kind of loses its effectiveness and the defensive state becomes the dominant state with triggers. There's probably things that are generally typical triggers like loud, abrupt sounds that we don't expect. You know, th- like those kind of like obvious things that are probably likely going to trigger defensive activation in somebody. But for traumatized individuals, the thing that is a cue of danger or a trigger for them is not something necessarily that we can predict. It might be something that's benign and has no danger or inherent danger to it that we can, that we would assume is there. In other words, the trigger might be something that reminds them of what they went through, like a sight or a sound or a smell. Those kinds of things could trigger them to go through all over again, at least on an autonomic level, that traumatic incident. So when they smell that thing again or touch that certain texture or hear that song, whatever it is, when that sensory input comes along again, it can trigger their defensive activation, their vagal break comes off, their safety state becomes ineffective in that moment. Glimmers, on the other hand, are the opposite. Again, from Deb Dana's book, The Polyvagal Theory in Therapy, she says, the ventral vagal system guides our experiences of glimmers. The neuroception of safety creates the possibility of relaxing into a moment of connection to self, to others, or to the environment. Cues of safety bring glimmers that are often sensed in micro moments of ventral vagal activation. Glimmers can help calm a nervous system in survival mode and bring a return of autonomic regulation. Bringing attention to these small moments moves the system toward a tipping point, and multiple micro moments may become significant enough to create an autonomic shift. So basically, glimmers are things that activate the safety state, which is 
kind of the opposite of triggers. I really like how she specifies the small moments of safety, the micro moments. This is the same thing I teach in building safety anchors, which is if you can simply feel little moments of safety that can provide a reference point, something you can call upon again. But yeah, as you practice and build up these little micro moments of safety, you can begin to grow them into something, well, to grow them into longer moments of safety, but also your safety state will strengthen as you practice these things. And if your safety state strengthens, then the vagal break will strengthen as well. Deb calls these glimmers. These are things that activate the safety state. These can be things that come through your senses, like smelling a certain candle that you like to smell or being with the right person who has that wonderful smile or that wonderful laugh. A glimmer can be all kinds of things, but there are these little moments of safety. I believe it was in her next book, which off the top of my head is polyvagal exercises for safety, something like that. I don't think it was anchored, but she talks about how to how to how to take these glimmers and turn them into what she calls glows. So it's taking these glimmers and extending them and really deepening the experience of them. The next concept from Deb Dana is the home away from home concept. The basic idea here is that our safety state is our home or it's supposed to be the autonomic state that we spend the most time in. That's why she calls it the home. But uh, for a lot of us, that's not where we spend our most time. We might be in flight fight, we might be in freeze, we might be in shutdown more often than not. Maybe appease, maybe fawn as the newest additions to the polyvagal theory as of our polyvagal world. Anyhow, we might be spending more time in these other states or have more of a dominant kind of feel in these other states and not the safety state. That is our home away from home. These homes away from home, home away from homes, these other states we spend a lot of time in might be, even though they're uncomfortable and downright painful, they also might be predictable and comforting in a way because we know what to expect or it's familiar. And as we climb our way up the polyvagal ladder, it becomes even more uncomfortable. So existing in shutdown is easier in a sense than living with flight fight activation, which we're not used to and our body can't handle and our vagal break cannot uh, tolerate. So our home away from home is kind of predictable and kind of comforting in a way. We're just accustomed to it. We're used to it. It's our norm. But eventually, hopefully, we spend more and more time in our safety state and develop that stronger into our home. And that state becomes, even if it's not 100% active all the time, which I don't think is realistic, hopefully that state becomes more and more dominant and can handle the activation of the other states. And one more concept from Deb Dana that was a, or is a major contribution to the polyvagal theory is the idea of story follows state. Again, from her first book, trauma-trained therapists are taught that a foundation of effective work is understanding perception is more important than reality. Personal perception, not the actual facts of an experience, creates post-traumatic consequences. Polyvagal theory demonstrates that even before the brain makes meaning of an incident, the autonomic nervous system has assessed the environment and initiated an adaptive survival response. Neuroception precedes perception. Story follows state. In other words, the thoughts in our brain are not the primary problem. Mental health is not simply an issue of changing our thoughts or of stinking thinking or having the right mindset. The thoughts in our brain are secondary 
to the state of our autonomic nervous system. Our brainstem shifts our state into either uh, safe social, flight, fight, shutdown. Of course, there's a mix, but that's the basic idea. Our brainstem shifts our state, and then our thoughts change along with it. Not just the words in our brain either, but the images, the, the memories, the flavor of our thoughts, how hopeful they are or how pessimistic they are. All these things change along with the state of our brainstem or, or of our body, of our autonomic nervous system. And by the way, along with that autonomic nervous system state shift comes other shifts, like with our sensations, our impulses, our emotions, our cognitions, our behaviors, everything changes along with our autonomic state. But yeah, for this one in particular, our story, the, the thoughts in our brain, our cognitions change, story follows state. Mental health spends a lot of time on thoughts, how to change thoughts, and it's helpful, it's, it's valuable. I don't think we should stop doing that. But the primary mover is our state. And I think working bottom up is more effective than top down. Really, we're trying to change the state of our autonomic nervous system, which is dictated by our brainstem. The brainstem really is the focal point of all this. So bottom up cues go to the brainstem, but top down cues also go to the brainstem. So bottom up, I think is fantastic, but top down also has a huge role. Simply learning something that is accurate and helpful, like the polyvagal theory or attachment theory, learning these things can really kind of calm what state you're in. It provides a, an explanation that's free of judgment and evaluation. It really opens up more compassion for yourself. So learning something new can be a top-down way of changing your state, or at least laying the foundation for changing your state. Personal mantras, affirmations, those kinds of things can be helpful as well. Uh, but yeah, also receiving emotional validation from somebody, being told that our thoughts and our feelings make sense and that they do exist, like having them validated, that can be helpful as well. All these are top-down cues of safety or from our brain to our brain stem. These are cues of safety. But there you go. Those are my uh, major Deb Dana contributions to the polyvagal theory. The ones that I think of, talk about all the time. These things come up a lot. And these are really cornerstones in how I understand and talk about the polyvagal theory. I'll leave links to all of Deb Dana's books in the description. She's a really good writer and she does a great job with this polyvagal theory stuff. I'll also leave you a link for my ebook. It's called Trauma and the Polyvagal Paradigm. It's a really, really good deep dive into the polyvagal theory in plain language and it connects it to trauma. Fellow Stucknot, I do hope this episode has been a helpful resource for you.